Today on Season 2, Episode 79 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, after a week off, the Packers get back to work ahead of their matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers appear to be the best team we've played this season, but do we have the weapons to face the challenge? Will the Super Smith Bros. feast? Will our favorite fullback finally break out? Listen in as we pass out game balls, go over Little Packers Niners history, and have some fun along the way. And now it's time for Wild Wild West on tap. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris, 56 yards to a game-winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers! Go, Packers! Winning isn't everything, but it's the only thing. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. Unknown Packers podcast. Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. And let me tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for Wild Wild West on Tap. Co-host today, you got Bryce Christensen, and alongside me, I have Neebles. Coming off the bye, Packers are 8-2, Niners are 9-1, number one seed in the NFC, up for grabs, playoff implications, ramifications, playoff seedings. It is wild. This episode is going to be wild. We're going to talk about the offense, defense, Packers, Niners history, some storylines, injury report, and then we'll wrap up with our pregame balls. But first and foremost, how are you doing, Nebels? I missed you. I, I miss you too. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been weird. A little bye week. We took we took some time to rejuvenate, look back, yeah. reflect, cleanse the soul, if you will. It was a nice little break. I'm looking to looking forward to knocking the rust off, though. I'll tell you that much. All I know it is going to be a wild episode. I'm excited, especially with looking back on. I mean, I look at the Packers and Niners, and I think it's one of the more maybe hidden rivalries that we don't talk about. And I'll definitely hit on those, the history and everything, and also some bloodlines, some storylines. But first and foremost, like I mentioned, number one seed in the NFC up for grabs, uh, week twelve. Sunday night football, which is flexed, Niners, Packers. I, I, I'm I'm excited. I cannot wait for this game. It's been. I mean, I get excited for all all Packer games, but I am jacked up. And I saw a tweet that you mentioned, or I saw a tweet that you had uh, thrown out there that you are nervous. And yes, sir. I'd like to pick your brain on that, on why you're nervous, and also the usual because you bring such a plethora of knowledge, not just beauty, but <laughs> not just brawn but also brains. So give it to me on the offense and defensive side of this Sunday night football game, the Packers 8-2 and two and Niners 9-1. and one. Oh, you flatter me, Bryce. You should know this face is, is made for radio. But <laughs> <laughs> we will start out with the defensive side of the ball here. The reason why the 49ers are off to a 9-1 and one start is primarily because of their defense. Our offensive line is going to have to face, once again, one of their toughest tests up to this point in the season against the 49ers front seven. You know, it, it's led by by defensive ends Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, and D Ford, as well as well as Pro Bowl tackle DeForest Buckner and linebacker Fred Warner. Uh, he is one of the best in football. A lot of sacks this season for for the 49ers. I mean, we had trouble with uh, Joey Bosa a couple weekends ago. Nick Bosa isn't going to be any easier. He leads the way for the 49ers with eight sacks. Eric Armstead has eight sacks as well. 
D Ford, he also has seven sacks of his own to add into the mix. Although the one good thing for us is he is doubtful for Sunday. So that would be, you know, knock on wood. You know, we always like playing teams at their full strength, but a little help. I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no to that. Um, they have DeForest Buckner has five sacks, and then you cannot forget about the anchor on the back end of the field in Richard Sherman, who has three picks this year. The 49ers don't give up a lot of explosive plays. Again, with Richard Sherman back there, they've only given up four plays of 20 plus yards through the air this season. So that's going to be a big, a big task, a big, a big force to go up against this, uh, this weekend. Now, San Francisco ranks number one in passing defense, averaging 142.5 yards a game. They're tied for first in sacks with 39, number two in total defense, allowing only 253 yards, and number two in points per game, allowing 15.5. Now, looking at it, those stats may be a little bit deceiving. You can only play who's on your schedule, but some say the 49ers defense has been exaggerated by the offensive offensives they have faced this season. They have faced the 22nd, the 30th, the 28th, the 24th, the 21st, the 29th, the 19th, the 15th, the 4th, and again, the 15th ranked offenses in the NFL. And the only one that they lost to was Seattle, who ranks 4th. So, Take that for what it is. You know, are, is their defense that good, or is it a product of who they have faced? I do think it's a little a bit of both, but I, I do think they are a very, very strong defense. Again, maybe slightly overrated, but we will see. They've been doing a hell of a job. Interesting that you say that, because uh, uh, it doesn't get easier for the Niners, too. After they play the Packers, they've got the Ravens and the Saints. So this is a nice little tough stretch for the Niners, so I think we'll get a bigger or better idea of what their defense is capable of. It seems like they struggle Definitely. against quickness and mobility, which might benefit the Packers. Definitely, no, I I agree completely. So that's really you know I, I kind of kept it a little bit shorter this week. You know, it's just interest of time and how much stuff you want to cover. But that is their defense in a nutshell. It's going to be you know very hard to combat. I think I think our best bet is going to be on the ground. I believe they rank twentieth in rushing defense. Yep, 20th in, in, in rushing defense. And I think Jones and Williams and hopefully Meatball Marinara will, will flourish this weekend. Man, you get me every time you say Meatball Marinara, and I, I, I love what he's doing. This might I maybe this is this is the week, the wheel route touchdown to Danny Meatball Marinara Vitale. Oh, yeah. I, I dig it. I I think it's a it's a nice thing to look at when you're looking at the Packers offense and the Packers defense, and then you look at the Niners offense and the Niners defense. For me, I, I've always thought, leading even leading up to this game, that the the Niners were a little bit overrated. Uh, the I think the one thing that concerns me is is the one storyline of Kyle Shanahan and Matt Lafleur, how they know each other. Yep. And so I'll yep. I'll touch base on that a little bit later, but I did want to squeeze that in there. Do you have anything else to add when it comes to the Niners then? Not as far as their defense is concerned. I do have a you know, bunch on their offense. I don't know when you want to break that down. I, I would love to break down because I, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with and I hope and maybe others are familiar with the Niners defense with Bosa and how much attention he brings uh and the oh, skill yeah. set of our offensive line, which I feel like is uh 
probably we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. We're talking about Aaron Jones as MVPs. I think that the offensive line needs to get a lot of credit for for their success at the Packers being eight and two right now. But I, I'm Definitely. all for hearing the soothing, sexy sounds of our producer Nebel. So so lay it on me. All right, let's talk a little offense here. All right. Oh boy. Okay. So the offense. Now, one thing to note, and you'll probably talk about this later, but Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike, is the 49ers passing game coordinator, and LaFleur was actually blocked from hiring him earlier in the in the year, so that's kind of an interesting little tie to the 49ers. But getting back to the offense here, they rank fifth in total offense, second in points per game, third in rushing yards per game, and 15th in passing yards for game, per game. So our defense does have have a bit of a, a hill to climb. Now, let's talk Jimmy G. He is 17-3 and three as a starter. Uh, Garoppolo is a bold quarterback that isn't afraid to take chances and try to squeeze the ball into tight places. So that's something that we need to really, really look at. There are one or two throws every game that are complete head scratchers, <laughs> so the Packers do need to take advantage. He actually has 10 interceptions this, this season so far. So when there's pressure put on him, he gets a little bit nervous, a little bit uncomfortable in the pocket, and he will let him fly or he'll try to zing it in somewhere that it shouldn't go. So our corner cornerbacks need to be aware and be ready to make a play on the ball. Coming from the Shanahan offense here, which is similar to the Lafleur offense, I think one of the big difference makers of Sunday's game is going to be Kyle Juszczyk, the 49ers fullback. Making fullbacks uh, yes. great now, again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The 49ers love to get him involved and use him just like how I want the Packers to start using Meatball. Um, he's an effective runner and a pass catcher. Although he has missed a couple of games this season, Due to injury, but he was very effective in his first game back against Seattle. So I would expect a healthy dose of him. Now, my biggest concern for the the Packers concerning the 49ers offense is they have a stable of good tight ends at their disposal at their disposal. In fact, I do believe that the tight end group is their strongest unit. Leading the way is George Kittle. We're all familiar with him, who, when when his, when healthy, is one of the league's best tight ends. If he can't go, he has been fighting an injury bug. I expect him to go. But if he can't, you have to watch out for Ross Dwelly. He is a big guy. He's been coming on strong in their offense lately. And then you have he's kind of like the the use check of the of the of the tight end group. He's very versatile. Shanahan likes to employ him and use him in many different ways. Now, they have two more tight ends to watch out for. This guy I hadn't heard of before, but uh, Levine Toilolo, he is 6'8". He is a huge tight end that could cause t- uh, matchup problems all day. Boy. And then you, oh, he is a big boy. And then you have to watch out for veteran Garrett Selleck. Garrett Selleck. So he, he rounds Not out to the be confused crew, with so. Tom Selleck. Magnum P.I. That's exactly okay. right. Is that? Exactly. Not <laughs> the stash himself. The original stash. So, yeah, with the troubles we've been having with the tight ends, you know, covering them over the middle, this could be a big problem for the Packers. So, hopefully, Petten has come up with some sort of defensive scheme to to help cover those guys. Going on to the, let's see here, the running back group. Now, the Packers have what what we consider the best one-two punch in the league at running back. 
The 49ers have a three-headed monster of their own, led by Tevin Coleman, Matt Breda, and Raheem Mozart. They are probably the best trio in the NFL. Tevin Coleman averages one touchdown per 14.7 carry, so he is getting in the end zone quite often. Again, with the Packers' weakness being, you know, defensive weakness being the running game, those three could have a have a good game ahead of them. We're really going to have to tighten up and keep an eye on them. Now, the weakness of the 49ers' offense, in my opinion, is their offensive line. Their running game has been controlled a bit more recently because of the offensive line problems. They do have a lot of injury issues and has been they have been kind of shuffling guys around. So I am hoping that the Smith brothers will have a have a big game, be able to get to Garoppolo and force him to throw those lousy throws that we have been seeing as of late. So definitely, you know, that's going to be one of the things to look forward to is our defensive line versus their offensive line. Could be very interesting. Glad that you mentioned that. Let me add in something real quick about Jimmy Jimmy sure. Garoppolo being a very streaky type of quarterback, which I think bodes well for the Green Bay Packers. Jimmy Garoppolo has five games with a passer rating over 100, and then he has five games with a passer rating under 80. So a very wow. polarizing quarterback, which I think bodes well for the Packers' defense when they thrive on turnovers. This seems to be like a game where I feel like I could prognosticate a little bit that we we will possibly come out victorious based on the fact that Petten and the Packers usually are victorious when they are able to create turnovers. Love it. Love it. All right. Let's go to their receiver group. Now, they boast a solid receiver group led by newly acquired Emmanuel Sanders. He has been slowed down by a rib injury lately, but now he's starting to kind of, you know, he's really fighting it out and is still very highly effective. They also have rookie Debo Samuel, and he has started playing very aggressively and has been coming on uh, on very strong as of late. He has been one that's had drop problems in the beginning of the season. He's starting to control those a little bit, and that spells trouble for everybody. He is a very talented young receiver. One other guy to watch out for that you don't hear about as much is Richie James Jr., he is one of those guys that has explosive speed and very steady hands. He is one that will has the ability to quickly be, get behind a defender for the big play. When, once he gets behind you, he turns on the afterburners and he is gone. So with the rate that the Packers give up their explosive plays, he's definitely someone that they're going to need to keep in keep in check. All in all, the Packers are going to have their hands. The Packers defense is going to have their hands full this weekend. The 49ers look to exploit the weaknesses in covering tight ends in the running game while the Packers are going to have to hope to take advantage of the shaky 49ers offensive line, forcing errant throws and hopefully coming away with some picks. So that's what I have for the offense. It's going to be very interesting to see what our defense does against them. They're a very you know, very powerful, you know, very good group, and it should be a good battle on both sides of the ball. Well, I think you hit on a lot of really key points and opportunities for the Packers to come away victorious, especially that Niners offensive line. I feel like Kenny Clark is grooving a little bit more. Uh, we have a player that uh, that got a ton of snaps in the last game that the Packers played against Carolina, who I will mention in our pregame balls. A little foreshadowing there. Keep you on the edge of your seat. But with Joe Staley, their left tackle possibly being out, I mean, I think that bodes well for us, especially with those edge rushers in Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith. Uh, so 
as we wrap up the first half where we highlight the offense and defense, you mentioning all this, there, there's hope. You look at the rush defense for the Niners, that's something that we can exploit. You look at the offensive line of the Niners, that's another thing that I feel that bodes well for, for the Green Bay Packers. So what makes you nervous then? I think the fact that they they possibly look better on paper than they actually are is what makes me nervous because they look like such a great, well-rounded team on paper. Um, you know, with the top you know, top ranked offense matching their top ranked defense, it's just one of those things where you you read about them, you see their stats, you you hear about them. They just sound scary, and it's just it, it's just something that I don't know how anybody could see them on paper and not be a little bit concerned kind of talking it out now, seeing who they have gone up against this season. That does make me feel a little bit better. But like I said, I think it's still going to be a, a tough fought battle all around. I mean, you, that Monday night game a couple weeks ago with Seattle and San Francisco, you're looking at how Seattle is, I mean, they're a team that, for me, just how they're coached, uh, they've got a, a competitive, very cerebral, mobile quarterback in Russell Wilson, and then they've got a lot of uh, weapons. So when I looked at or when I watched that game, which was one of the more exciting games so far this NFL season, that's where it it, it made me a little bit nervous. Where I'm looking at, for me, right. I, I, I the litmus test for me is Seattle. I don't know. Exactly. When I look at the NFC, I, I, I look at Seattle. And so how San Francisco uh, fared against Seattle, I thought that they let Seattle back in, especially with the interception in, in overtime, I believe. Uh, I think that was Armstead. Uh, that, yeah. that picked that pass. Uh, so th- there are things where, you know, I look at Seattle, San Francisco, the nail in the coffin sort of thing where they could have totally put that game away and they let Seattle come back in. So the more we talk about it, I, I feel that, yes, number one seed in the NSC just sitting there, just like an olive branch, just waiting to get picked. Exactly. Playoff implications, playoff ramifications, playoff seeding. I, I, I can't wait, but the more we talk about it, I, I, I'm getting excited. We'll see what happens on the other side of the coin where we talk about Packers-Niners history, some storylines, injury report, and pregame balls. But we're going to take a quick commercial break with Wild Wild West on tap. Go Pack Go. You are listening to the Unknown Packers podcast. Do you want to be a part of the show? If so, give our listener line a call. Leave your name, a comment, concern, or question, and we will include your message on an upcoming episode. Call 920-328-5269. Again, that's 920-328-5269. We look forward to hearing from you. Don't forget to show us some love and rate us on your favorite podcast provider. Now, let's get to the second half. We are back for the second half of Wild Wild West on Tap. And I mentioned this right at the beginning of the episode where I don't feel like we pay a lot of attention or we pay homage to the rich history of the Packers and Niners. And I'm not going to go back and, and highlight every single game. But the thing that the one game that really sticks out to me is in 1995, the, the San Francisco 49ers were the defending Super Bowl champions, Packers going into Candlestick Park and coming away victorious 27-17 and heading to their first NFC Championship game since the Ice Bowl. And I feel like in 1995, 
that's where it all began. Yeah. And I still remember how the game started. I, I was watching the game with my father. And I remember, I mean, I, I believe I was in seventh grade at the time. And at that time, you know, the Cowboys, the Niners, I was I was a pretty I was pretty contentious when it came down to Green Bay Packers support and fandom. I did not like the fact that some of my friends when I was growing up were fair weather fans. And sure. when you call them out, I mean, this is seventh grade, so you call them out in the schoolyard <laughs> and you're like, you're a fair weather fan. You know, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, but I remember just how many of my friends were Niners fans and how many were Cowboys fans. But in yep. nineteen ninety-five and maybe maybe some of those friends are listening right now and are Packer fans now, but I remember when you were not a Packer fan. I remember. So as you lay down and you reflect on your life, pay homage and pay respect that in 1995 is where it all <laughs> began for you, suppo- I, supposed I, friend that's listening to the Unknown Packers podcast right now. I, could, I, say, well, I say welcome back to the green and gold, friends. Welcome back. And that was a little talk therapy on my end. I definitely, uh, there, there's some resentment that I needed to get out. And You were getting angry. I could hear it. <laughs> in my voice. But in 1995 is where it all began. And, and this was really the, the stepping stone to then 1996. So in back-to-back years, the Green Bay Packers faced off against the San Francisco 49ers in, in the postseason. And in 1995, winning 27-17, they jumped out to a 21-0 lead. It, oh, yeah. I think the first play of the game, Wayne Simmons hit Adam Waller, who was a fullback, fumble, and Craig Newsom, first-round draft pick Craig Newsom, former Sun Devil Craig Newsom, who resides in, I believe, western Wisconsin, either on Alaska, Lacrosse, or Holman Craig Newsom, one of my all-time favorite Green Bay Packers, Craig Newsom, picks up the fumble, and turns returns it for 31 yards. And I still remember thinking, holy poop. It's happening. It is happening. The Packers then had back-to-back scoring drives of 67 yards and 72 yards. Brett Favre to Keith Jackson and Mark Tremura, respectively. And the Packers jumped up 21-0. Granted, Jerry Rice had a huge game. He went over 100 yards. But the Packers stifled the San Francisco 49ers in Candlestick Park, went on to face the Dallas Cowboys, and it was in that game where you could tell, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys ended up uh, victorious in the NFC Championship. They went on to play the Pittsburgh Steelers and won and won the Super Bowl. But in 95, I felt like that was after we beat the Niners, we put everyone on attention that said that the Green Bay Packers are here. We, we licked our wounds, came back in 96, and we trounced the San Francisco 49ers. Steve Youngless, this was Elvis Gerbach, Oh, Gerbach. 35-14. This, this was the Desmond Howard show. He had returned a putt return right, right off the bat in the first quarter, I think two minutes into it, into the game, and then almost returned another punt return, took it all the way down to the seven, and the Packers punched it in. But that was the Desmond Howard era, 96. That's when it was 34 degrees. The quote was, there was a quagmire of mud. So that was the, mm-hmm. that was the muddy game. That's where I believe Edgar Bennett got the nickname, you know, Mudder. And he went over 100 yards. But in 95-96 is where I felt like it all started for the Green Bay Packers. And we can... Did you know that the uh, the 90... Sorry to interrupt. The the, the That 95 game, um, it was... Uh, they, that's the first time that the Packers had advanced the NFC Championship since the, uh, since the Ice Bowl. So 
they had a long drought of championship appearances. So that was kind of Were you paying attention? Did you pay attention to what I said? No. Because I said that. Uh, you did not, I did, did. You? Yes, I did. Oh, I for said, the love. went to the first NFC championship game since the Ice Bowl. Oh, my bad. I think you're Googling Packers Niners just, history right now, aren't you? I think I might. I think I might have. <laughs> I, I kind of tune you out anyway. So <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> my bad. No, but I'm glad that you, I mean, let's emphasize that again. I mean, it goes back to 1995. It all began. I mean, you went to the ice, I mean, the ice bowl, you have that long stretch, the seventies and eighties and Lindy Infante coach of the year and Dama I mean, you're, you're scratching the surface, but it didn't happen until Mike Holmgren. Yep. Former San Francisco 49er brought us to the promised land in 96 uh, our second uh, venture going into the NFC Championship game, we beat the Carolina Panthers, went on to face the New England Patriots for Super Bowl 31, and came away victorious for our one of our first Super Bowls that I remember. Yep. But looking at uh, when you're looking at that '96, that '96 year, the thing that really sticks out to me is the special teams, and you look at how special, how well rounded. The Packers' offense was how well-rounded the Packers' defense and how well-rounded the special teams was. And so when you look back at these Super Bowl championship-caliber teams, I parallel it with where we're at right now. And do we need all th- do we need all three phases in order to go on and win the Super Bowl? And I think it's interesting that Sporting News just uh, published an uh, article that said that the winner of this matchup is the favorite and t- and will probably go on. I mean, probably, but will go on to win the Super Bowl. And they based it off of some statistics that the last two teams, and then they, they listed off a, a couple other teams where two teams that squared off at week 12 or after with two losses or less. Uh, the last time was uh, the Denver Broncos that went on to win the Super Bowl. And then also the, the Seattle Seahawks in, I believe, 2013. And I think it was 2013 was was uh, their first, yeah, their first Super Bowl because the following year was the collapse. Right. And so I, when I read that article, I thought, okay, that's interesting. So the Packers at 8-2 and two and the Niners 9-1, nine and one, people are thinking that the the winner of this game has a great shot of going on to win the Super Bowl. And then you tie it back to the 95 and 96 years when I look at the Packers-Niners history, I can't help but see some parallels. I can't help but get excited. But I wanted to ask you, do you think that when you look at the 95, you look at the 96, 95, that maybe they were just lacking a little bit of experience. They, you know, they they went to Dallas, which was a tough uh, place to play. Sure. But do you, and then in 96, you feel that, you know, they licked their wounds. They 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 were hitting on all cylinders and all facets of the game. Do you feel that the Packers, I mean, clearly they're one of the worst special teams teams in the NFL. Do you think that we can almost resemble back in 1996? Or if we go on to win this, we can maybe be a two-faceted team rather than a three-faceted team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously, a little a little help in the special teams department would be would be nice going forward. You know, specifically when we're talking about you know the punt return kickoffs and stuff. I'm not as concerned about that just because of the rule changes. You don't see quite as many returns. Um, so a guy like Desmond Howard wouldn't get as many opportunities these days. I do think it was kind of funny, though, you know, reading through some notes on the game in 96 with Desmond Howard. It kind of flashes flashes forward almost. 
he he made a big mistake yeah. to start the second half when yeah. he actually did not take the yeah, field. I forgot for about the, that for, <laughs> for the kickoff. So <laughs> the 49ers were able to kick the ball deep, and they they actually recovered it, leading up to a uh, a four yard touchdown by Gerbach. We gotta so, we gotta find some. I need to f- see that video clip because I can only imagine. I mean, that was at Lambo. I yep. can only imagine like <laughs> what 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 was going on. I need to find that clip because yeah, you, you're right. The pack, the Niners so, ended up getting the ball and and punched it in. So maybe maybe special teams gaffes are just a part of you know <laughs> a, a part of the Packers. It's always gonna gonna linger around. So I'm glad that yeah, you I'm not that. I'm not as concerned about it. I'm glad that you mentioned that. And maybe some people forget that we played the 49ers four straight years in the playoffs in '95, '96. In 97, we were the reigning Super Bowl champions. We beat the top-seeded San Francisco 49ers to go back to the Super Bowl, square off against the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 32 in San Diego, and uh, we ultimately lose, uh, lost to Destiny and 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 John Elway in the helicopter, and something that I yep. have uh, I have grieved and I have uh, <laughs> accepted that that was just part of uh, the gods of football and NFL uh, destiny. But then in 98. So the Packers have three straight wins, 95, 96, 97, 98 is where, when I mentioned Mike Holmgren, where he possibly already had one foot out the door and had his eye, there was, there was speculation, especially leading up to Super Bowl 32, if Holmgren was going to jump ship and go to the Seattle Seahawks, something that he had always wanted to be back on the West Coast. And then in 98... Packers squaring off in the wild card game against Steve Young and Terrell Owens, and the Packers losing on a last second touchdown from Steve Young to Terrell Owens. So I thought that was interesting. Going back and looking at the Packers Niners history, I knew that this was a rivalry, but I forgot that we played Niners in four straight postseasons. Oh, yeah. It was like the Niners, the Packers, and the Cowboys were the NFC back then. I mean, it's, it's nuts. And I do want to mention also that. That 98 game, uh, Rice fumbled that ball. <laughs> he fumbled it. For sure. I think right after that, is, didn't they implement uh, instant replay? I think they did. When you're talking about that uh, Reggie, uh, Reggie, uh, the Jerry Rice fumble, I mean, the Packers were up 27-23 with a minute 56. So, right, mm-hmm. Rice fumbled on that drive, if memory serves yep. me correct. Yep. And I know looking, that- looking back on that, it was a 76-yard drive that ended with just three seconds left. When uh, Steve Young found Terrell Owens in the midst of four Green Bay Packers defenders, that that game crushed me. I was crushed. I was crushed. It was. Yep. That. Uh, so the it was two plays before that. It was when Jerry Rice was stripped of the ball from Bernardo or uh, on the Packers forty-one. Yep. And linebacker Bernardo Harris recovered the football. Bernardo Harris, man. That's a blast from the past. We might have to do like a little short pour. We might have to bring back the sh- uh, the off season short pours and talk about some unsung heroes. But Bernardo Harris, oh, I like man. it. Yeah, I like it. So I so in that ninety eight year when the Niners beat the Packers twenty seven twenty three, that was Mike Holmgren's last year. So West Coast offense, Mike Holmgren. The Niners have so much influence with the Bill Walsh tree, and the Niners have so much imprint on the Green Bay Packers. Niners ended up falling to the Dirty Birds, Jamal Anderson, and I, I believe Jim Miller of the Atlanta Falcons. And that was also the 15-1 and year with Randy Moss and the Minnesota Vikings. 
let me ask you this. Hypothetically, going back, do you think the Packers would have beat the Atlanta Falcons? Or was that just something that was destiny? Holmgren already was thinking about Seattle, maybe wasn't paying attention, but the Packers were up 27-23 with a minute 56 left to go. I think the Packers were robbed. I think they definitely could have gone in and, and beaten the Falcons, and I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. It wasn't meant to be, apparently. I also wanted to talk about in 2001 as well when uh, it, all, all these different like rich history, I keep on using rich history, but I love it. Sure. Especially with postseason, and we forget about also Jeff Garcia and, Garcia. The, San, and the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> and Brett Favre and in, in 2001 with Mike Sherman. And I thought uh, this was another game where the Packers trailed 7-6 at halftime, but then in the second half scored four times to end up going victorious 25-15. And what I thought was interesting, I forgot that. This was the Brett Favre and Bubba, Fink, uh, Bubba Franks year, too, where Bubba Franks would also have the touchdown celebration where he would rip off his jersey uh, after a touchdown. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. if, But going back and looking at this research, I forgot about Jeff Garcia, and I forgot yep. about that history. Yeah, Garcia. You got Mike McKenzie in there. That's a name that, that you tend to forget about. Amon Green had a big game. And uh, the defense came up big that game as well, holding Garrison Hurst to just 42 yards. You know, Garrison Hurst was a big deal back then. Garrison Hurst, yeah. Former Georgia Bulldog. Yep. And then moving on to a little part of Packers Niners history is the 2012-2013 era of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, And 2012 is probably the year where I started calling. I, I will be honest. I started calling for Mike McCarthy. And Dom Capers had in that 2012 playoff loss where the Packers lost 45-31 to essentially Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. We started off that game so well, too. I mean, didn't we? I think Sam Shields had uh, got a pick six at first the first series for the, for the Niners, didn't he? Well, yeah, they... Uh, I think that tied at 24 20, I mean, they were, it was tied 24 24, I think, after that play. And then Kaepernick took over and followed it up with three straight scores. Yuck. Yeah, he, he racked it up that game. I'm showing 579 yards of total offense. Actually, a uh, clarification uh, Sam Shields actually uh, picked off the first pass in, right, in the right. first quarter. So yep. they were up 7 0 2012. The following year, 15 and 1. The following year before that, they were the Super Bowl champions. So this was a little, that was that window where we were talking about dynasty, where the Packers won beating the Steelers and then following up the following year, going 15-1, and one, talking about that dynasty. So 2012, that, they were still in that little era. And even though that was where I started thinking, is Mike McCarthy and Dom Capers the right duo for the Green Bay Packers? Sure, sure. But yeah, looking oh, at good it, times. San good Francisco times. rolled up 579 <laughs> yards of total offense and broke open a 24-24 game by scoring the next three touchdowns. And then they ended up going to their first Super Bowl appearance since 1994. So it was almost kind of like the universe that, correcting itself. And that was the Harbaugh Bowl, right? Yeah. Was that, against, yep. was that against Baltimore? Yep. Okay. And then since then, I mean, so you had back-to-back years where, yeah, you had back-to-back years. And then the following year in 2013 is when... It was the one of the coldest games in record. I was actually at the game where Micah Hyde dropped uh, that interception ah. from Colin Kaepernick at like the 50-yard line. Colin Kaepernick ended up 
picking up a first down after that where Jarrett Bush was right there to make a play. Colin Kaepernick with his legs and his elusiveness and also something where in that instance, Kent, do you blame Dom Capers because you he put a player there to make a play, didn't make it, and then um, the San Francisco 49ers ended up kicking a field goal in the waning moments of that game, and I ended up walking out of Lambeau thinking, okay, is this is this the year that they make some changes? And then the following year is when the Packers went 12-4. and four. Uh, Rodgers had a calf injury, still had got his MVP, and then we had the collapse, the 19-7 collapse with five minutes left to go. So it's funny how these two teams are intertwined. I also talk about Mike McCarthy, who comes from the San Francisco 49ers as well. And moving on, I know I, I probably went in a little bit too deep with the Packers-Niners history, but I feel like this also gives us a little bit of foundation going to the game. But here are some storylines that I wanted to share with you, Nebels. All right, bring it on. So definitely... So and maybe this will be something that we can kind of continue. But as I was jotting down notes, I went old school. We talked about this so old school with the notes, jotting down notes on a piece of paper. Nice. Uh, but my storylines are that the Niners are extremely banged up. You're going to touch on this in in, in mm-hmm. the injury report. And the Packers are, re- are are healthy, relatively healthy. I mean, I, I, I think... Knock on wood. <laughs> and I was listening to sports radio earlier this week, and they were talking about how Mike McCarthy... Where his practices, they you know they would set up where they were they were very light on Friday, and then Saturday was just a walkthrough. Whereas uh, Lafleur has it the other way around, where he still practices on Saturday. But when you go back and look at training camp, you look at OTAs. He really stressed like that he did not want like three hard impact practices back to back to back. And I think that, you know, looking back, you're wondering, okay, well, you're a new coach. This is a, you know, this is a physical, at times violent sport. And you need to get your players ready to get accustomed to what NFL games are like. But looking back, hindsight being 2020, got to give Lafleur a lot of credit, respecting and also prioritizing the health and the overall well-being of the, uh, of the Packers. And now you're looking at it where the Niners are banged up. George Kittle, I know you're going to talk about him, but he's he's the big concern for me because athletic tight ends up the middle, I think, wreak havoc for the Green Bay Packers. But I also have a guy that, again, I'm I'm foreshadowing that I feel is going to have a big game and he's going to be the reason why the Packers possibly go ahead at 9-2. and two. Another storyline is Lafleur and Shanahan. And you touched on that Mike Lafleur being uh, the brother of Matt Lafleur and being the passing coach coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. But also Lafleur and Kyle Matt Lafleur and Kyle Shanahan and the Mike Shanahan tree. So we talk about the Bill Shanahan, uh, Bill Shanahan, the Bill Walsh tree. Now you're looking at the Mike Shanahan tree, and you're seeing all these different head coaches come from this Mike Shanahan tree. But going back to the Houston Texans, where Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, and Matt Lafleur was the offensive quality control coach, then going to Washington where. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Redskins. And then Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach. And then moving on to Atlanta in 2016, where Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator, went on to become the head coach, was the hottest coaching prospect. And maybe in hindsight for the Atlanta Falcons, they should have fired Dan Quinn and promoted Kyle Shanahan. But Matt LaFleur was the quarterback's coach in Atlanta. So these guys know each other. These guys are friends. On top of it, you have Matt LaFleur's brother being the passing coach coordinator. 
for the San Francisco 49ers. I think that is a second storyline that I think is huge that could definitely have some implications. So you talk about on paper, but what does this mean when you know the other coach and it comes down to knowing that everyone has wrinkles? And I saw that as we were doing research more and more that Kyle Shanahan, Mike LaFleur, and Matt LaFleur all mentioned that everyone has wrinkles. And so which wrinkle will be the deciding factor on who comes away uh, victorious and possibly the number one seed going into the NFC? And that was another thing. The final storyline is the number one seed being going up for grabs. I've talked about it throughout this episode. And what when you look at it, going back to the Packers years where they were Super Bowl contenders, you had either an offense that was injury riddled. And you're looking at 2010, but they had an elite defense. And then 2014, you're looking at another top 10 defense and also an offense that was injured but then also had the opportunity of going on to play in the Super Bowl. And now you're looking at the Packers. And if you look at DVOA rankings, the Packers rank second. And then if you're looking at the defense, they rank 18th. But if you look at pro football focus, they're ranked at 15th. And for me, I've always just wanted the Packers to be in that area. I think Mm -hmm. that if you have this offense, go through Aaron Jones, you have Devontae Adams, you have Aaron Rodgers as well, and you have Matt LaFleur, and how he is a game manager, how he's able to make adjustments, the culture that he's instilled. You look at Kyle Shanahan, the culture that he's instilled in San Francisco. That's the thing that excites me is that I feel like the defense hasn't been playing up to its potential. And I think this is the game where we actually see it come together. I think that Matt Le- or Mike Pettin finally gets the best out of his defense. And I think that is the deciding factor. But if you're looking at pro football focus, the defense being ranked 15 and then you're looking at the Packers ranked at second in offense, I'll take that any day of the week. And I feel like for sure, the Packers' defense is only going to get better. And so that's another storyline for me is that I don't think that we have seen the best Packers' defense yet, and I think that we're going to see it in Week 12. I like what you're cooking. I like it a lot. just needed to wet my whistle a little bit. Wet and away. as we get closer and closer to the Wild Wild West on tap wrap-up, Let's touch base on the injury report because I want to end on a high note with our pregame balls. You got it. The injury report injury report isn't uh, isn't awful this this week. I'll start out with the 49ers. And again, we are recording this. What is it? Friday? Friday morning we're recording this. And this is from the latest report, practice Thursday. For the 49ers, did not participate was running back Matt Breda, uh, defensive end D Ford, kicker Robbie Gold. And tackle Joe Staley. So you I mean, have those, so you have left tackle, mm-hmm. running back, and kicker. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then their top free agent acquisition, who they traded to acquire. Oh yeah, Man, big that, big and, injuries on on their their side of the ball. There, uh, limited participation participation in practice was George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and Emmanuel Sanders. So again, their their big offensive we- uh, weapons are all banged up this week. So I dig it. I, yeah, I mean, I dig it. Again, they always say you like to play someone at, at full strength just to see where you really sit. But any little advantage we can take, uh, you know, any little advantage we can get, I'll take it. On the Packers side of the ball, we had one did not participate, which was Mercedes Lewis, and that was not injury related. Who knows? Could be a Veterans Day or whatnot. And then limited in practice is Devonte Adams with his toe. Balaga not injury related. Uh, Jimmy Graham, not injury-related. Cole Madison, uh, Meatball Marinara, 
Danny Vitale, and uh, Tremon Williams, also not injury-related. So I don't know how you're limited you know, on, an, on a not injury-related basis, but I'll take it. I mean, we are coming out of this bye week healthy, and I couldn't be more excited about I it. I think it's a, a big takeaway is that we need to give credit to Matt LaFleur, and I know there's luck involved in it as well, but Packers, week 12, are essentially at full strength outside of Raven Green. Uh, sure. But I do believe, I, I've been looking, I, I don't see any sort of update on on Raven Green. I was just going to ask. And they were talking about it on the radio as well the other day, and it's kind of a mystery. Nobody knows what's going on with him. Uh, all I know, IR. And so, I mean, you're looking at week 12, though, so it's getting it's getting close to, I would think that there should be some sort of whispers on whether or not he's going to come back. But sure. For, outside of that, I mean, you're looking at a team. So the Niners are banged up. I, I would say that when Mahomes went down with an injury, I really just wanted to see how the Packers defense could could square off against uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Sure. Now with the Niners and the Packers, I mean, we're at week 12 right now where I, I think this is just, I mean, there's luck involved, but I also think that this was the game plan. I think this is, you got to give Matt LaFleur credit and having the confidence and the wherewithal to know that, all right, I want, longevity. I want to make sure that our players are good to go. And now you're week 12. We're heading into December Lambeau field postseason. I, I, I embrace this Packer fans. It's been a, it's been a rough couple years. Embrace it. Eight and two. The Packers are a great team. And I still believe that we're only scratching the surface as we wrap up. Let's get into pregame balls. For Wild Wild West on tap as the Packers are 8-2, squaring off against the 9-1 San Francisco 49ers. Nebels, give me your pregame balls. All right. I, I kind of have a feeling as I've been listening to you here that we may have one, one uh, common game ball here. And I'm going to go ahead and start out with it. Are you? All <laughs> yep, right. Yep, yep, yep. I'm going. Um, and this is, like I said, we didn't talk ahead of time. This is we the first not. one I, I jotted down. So I am going to go ahead and see Shanahan's play of Kyle Juszczyk and raise him one meatball marinara. Oh, oh yeah. That's a spicy meatball. <laughs> uh, we've been saying it for weeks, but I think we're finally going to fight fire with fire. We're going to go ahead, and I, I think that Sunday is going to go down and be known as the fullback bowl. The battle and of the fullback. That's I right. That. And Danny Vitale comes away with his first rushing, the first rushing TD of his career. So I think he's going to have a big game. I don't know why. I just have I have a feeling, you know, with how Shanahan utilizes his fullbacks, I think Lafleur is going to come in there and say, "Oh yeah, you can do that. Well, I can do it too and do it better." So I, I look for a big game out of Danny. And one actually interesting fact: it has nothing to do with the game ball. But did you know that uh, that Danny is married to Chicago Blackhawks great Chris Chelios's daughter? I knew that I read that, but you just jogged my memory. So um, thank you for jogging my memory. I knew I read that in the because he just got married, right? Yeah, yeah. It was pretty recently. So I thought that was kind of cool. A little well, Chicago. I'm, I'm a Chicago guy, so just a little Chicago connection there for you. Well, and Chris Chelios played at, at Wisconsin. Yeah, true, true. Mm-hmm. So what do you mean Chicago? Guy? Oh, you're from Chicago. Yeah, I'm from Chicago. Well, yeah, I live north of Chicago. Yep. And okay, uh, just wanted to clarify. Because- yes, yes, yes. Not to make anybody <laughs> nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I am from the burbs of Chicago. All right, what do you got for your first game ball? Well, 
when you said I think that we might have uh, some parallels, I did not actually go with Danny Vitale, uh, Ooh, even, even even though I, I do believe that it's only a matter of time. If people are watching, just what I would like is to focus. I mean, this is not even a pregame ball, but to add to your Danny Vitale is watch Danny Vitale and Elton Jenkins work together. Talk about just straight maulers and how they open up lanes for Aaron Jones. And speaking of Aaron Jones, maybe this is a reoccurring theme, but he is my first game ball. I think that he, there's a few MVPs, whether it's Preston Smith, who I feel is the most consistent out of the edge guys, even though Zadarius Smith is awesome and has been extremely productive. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, you're looking at that offensive line, but I don't think the Packers are eight and two if Aaron Jones isn't playing out of his mind. What he's done to transform his game, to take his health, his body seriously. I mean, he was in straight football mode this whole offseason, completely trimmed down from, what, 10% down to 5.3% body fat, maintained the same weight, so burned all that fat and just added muscle but maintained the same weight. And you're just seeing what I think is quite arguably maybe the second best running back in the NFL right now outside of Christian McCaffrey. I th- What I say reoccurring theme is because I do believe that if, even if the San Francisco 49ers for somehow their their civil rush defense stops Aaron Jones, just the fact that the attention of Aaron Jones is going to open up for other opportunities for maybe Danny Vitale, Jamal yep. Williams, Devontae Adams, and that stuff. So the whole pregame ball, if Aaron Jones goes over 115 yards, the Packers win. They've shown that the last few weeks the Packers have been averaging over 115 yards. The thing for me is that even if the if they game plan and they neutralize Aaron Jones just by doing that, that opens up opportunities where I feel that Aaron Rodgers can completely dissect a defense. You've got Devontae Adams, or does that open it up for the first rushing touchdown of Meatball Marinara and Danny Vitale? But my first pregame ball is Aaron Jones. I think he's going to have a big game, and if it's not statistically, he's going to have a big game where he demands a lot of attention. I love it. I love it. And uh, going to my second game ball, uh, I uh, I think demanding attention is kind of the the theme. I like to go outside the cuff, you know, think outside the box a little bit here and you get a little bit crazy with my pick. So my second game ball of this weekend is going to go to Dean Lowry. I think that Dean Lowry has been, you know, he started off hot, but he's been kind of quiet the last couple of weeks. I'm expecting him to bring the pressure Sunday night. I think that uh, P&Z Smith are going to do a lot to wear down that already shaky offensive line, and Lowry's going to be in the right spot, you know, right place, right time to do the mop-up work. I am predicting that Lowry is going to have a a, a Fackrell-esque multi-sack performance this weekend. I wasn't expecting Dean Lowry. but You never know what to expect with me. (laughs) But a, a guy that got paid this offseason uh, to, to the point where we released Mike Daniels, they they definitely emphasized how important Dean Lowry is. He's a guy that's always been on that cusp of breaking out, and the Packers invested in uh, invested in him this offseason. I like it. I like it. Definitely an unsung hero, uh, someone that I wasn't expecting. My second game ball is actually Ibrahim Campbell. Uh, and I think that what we've wanted out of Raven Green, and and I, I do believe that that injury really derailed us uh, in preseason. I uh, The way he was playing in training camp, coming off his rookie year the year before as an undrafted free agent out of James Madison, there were a lot of talks that Raven Green was going to be that guy. And then Oren Burks, a guy that we were expecting to shore up the middle of the field. We also had Josh Jones as being a guy that 
Could he play that hybrid linebacker role? Could he be that guy that Mike Pettin could move move all around the field like a chess piece? And I believe Ibrahim Campbell is that guy. I think he he gave the Packers this midseason boost, and he played an unbelievable and a career-high 42 snaps against the Carolina Panthers before they, they faced off against their bye. But I think Ibrahim Campbell is going to be essential. Whether George Kittle plays or not, I feel that the middle of the field is the Achilles heel of the Green Bay Packers. And I feel that Ibrahim Campbell is scratching the surface. I think he's a guy that we need to pay attention to. I think he'll be, just like what you said with Dean Lowry, unsung hero. I think Ibrahim Campbell is an unsung hero. I like it. Good choice. Good choice. All right. For my third and final pregame ball, I do have a feeling that this game could be a back and forth, Wild Wild West style shootout from the start. Every single point is going to matter, and I believe that uh, Crosby is going to come into play this game. He's going to be perfect on Sunday, and in fact, I could see him coming down to one of those fourth quarter. Rodgers has one of his patented, you know, 30 30 seconds left drives, and Crosby is going to kick a 54-yarder to win the game as time expires because he is clutch Crosby. It is amazing that we did not. I mean, you were talking about Danny Vitale being our one possible parallel of pregame ball. It is amazing that we didn't go over this beforehand. And, and everyone that's listening, I swear we did not go over this. But <laughs> I actually, my third and final game ball is actually Mason Crosby. Ah, nice. I, I And the reason being is that I think that when you look at what I talked about with the Packers defense, I think Ibrahim Campbell and his familiarity with Mike Pettin, he played uh, when Mike Pettin was uh, in Cleveland, Ibrahim Campbell was a rookie, and so they have familiarity right there. I think what he's done so far in the last four weeks is impressive. He's a guy that I feel like is going to make plays for the Green Bay Packers defense, but I feel like this is going to be a defensive battle. I think that Garoppolo and his streakiness, all the injuries for the Niners, and then also the Niners' incredible defense. I'm scared about Bosa. I'm scared about Sherman, and so I think this is going to be a defensive battle. I think... The, the battle of the fullbacks, uh, a run game of Aaron Jones, but I do believe it comes down to a field goal, and I do believe that Mason Crosby hits a game-winning field goal, and the Packers go on to go 9-2 and two and take a stranglehold of the number one seed in the NFC. Celebrate this, Green Bay Packer fans. It's exciting. We are a Super Bowl championship caliber team. Is there anything that you want to add, Nebels? I am fired up. I want the game to be right now. I just got so excited, I literally just snapped a pencil right in half. I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering, I thought you just moved your chair. You snapped a pencil? Snapped it right in half. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about on this podcast. We are snapping pencils. We are fired up about the rich history of the Green Bay Packers and San Francisco 49ers. Wild Wild West on tap. Packers 8-2, Niners 9-1, Sunday night football. Enjoy it. Go Pack Go. I am your co-host, Bryce Christensen. And I'm Nebels. And this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers Podcast. Make sure that you're tuning in to TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Google Play, Stitcher, and a variety of other podcast platforms. Don't forget to say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers Podcast. That's right. We're good friends with Alexa. Make sure you're checking out our website, theunknownpackers.com, as well as Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and Reddit, The Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I'm Bryce Christensen, and this is 
the Unknown Packers Podcast.